forward. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning. And what if I told you that I have a gift for you? And it's maybe a gift that you've never heard of. But I believe that it's a gift that could radically change your life in 2020. Would I have your attention? Would you be kind of on the edge of your seat waiting for me to share what that gift is? Well, we're going to talk about it in just a few moments. But before we do, I want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to be with us as we commune with him this morning as we read his words. Will you pray with me? Father God, as, uh, as we crack open your word this morning, we believe that it is indeed living and active, that it is powerful, and that it can change our lives. And so God, may these words that are spoken this morning not be my words, but may, may, may they be your word, and may it change us. May we walk away from interacting with it more like your son. We need the power of your spirit this morning to use these words to change our lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we've been walking through the Christmas story uh, this Christmas season, and we've already met a character early on in our Christmas series, and his name was Zechariah, and perhaps you remember Carter sharing with us a little bit about his story As I was preparing for this sermon, God continued to lay the story of Zechariah on my heart. So we're going to dig in a little bit deeper this morning and go back to his story. Because I believe that Zechariah has this gift for us. He has a gift for us this morning that I think, like I said, can change your life in 2020. Zechariah was a priest, as you learned. And uh, Zechariah will end up being the father of someone that we like to call John the Baptist. And John was a prophet who lived before Jesus and told everybody that Jesus was coming. And this is who Zechariah is. Zechariah in Hebrew, it means God remembers. And why is that important? Because if you'll recall in this story, before Zechariah comes onto the scene, he's one of the first people we meet in the Christmas story. God has been silent for 400 years. He hasn't said a word in 400 years to his people. And so Zechariah is a priest, someone who communes with God. And so can you imagine all of Zechariah's life going into work, your job is to commune with God, and you don't hear a single word from him. He doesn't communicate with you. And I think probably many of you could, in this room could relate to that this morning, right? That sometimes it feels like God is just silent in your life, that you're offering these requests to him and, and he's not saying anything in return. This is, the, this is the context that Zechariah lives in. Zechariah is named after a prophet of Israel. And this prophet, Zechariah, hundreds of years before, had prophesied about the coming of a Messiah who would break this silence. Zechariah 7.13 is one of his prophecies. You'll, you'll find he wasn't a very popular prophet. He said something like this. He said, when I called, speaking as God, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. And so this silence that Zechariah and the people of Israel are experiencing, it's a, it's a result of their unwillingness to listen to God. And so he goes silent. 
But Zechariah is hopeful, right? Because God remembers. God remembers his people. He won't stay silent forever. And so that kind of lays the stage for our story this morning in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there now. If you don't, there are Bibles at the back of the, of the room. We would love for you to just take one of those. It's our gift to you this morning as our Christmas gift to you. A little bit late, a few days late, but go ahead and take that with you. Luke chapter 1, verse 11, we see an angel appear to Zechariah. It says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, of course, and fear fell upon him. Why? Because it's been 400 years since God has spoken. So this is a new thing for anybody living at this time. It's a new thing for Zechariah, for a, a messenger of the Lord to appear to him. So he's struck with fear. He's troubled. What did I do to deserve this? The angel says to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. See, oftentimes when God is silent, it doesn't mean that he doesn't hear us. Zechariah had been launching these prayers into the silence, waiting for a response. And the angel assures him, you have been heard. Even when it sounds like silence, God is still listening. What were Zechariah's prayers? There were prayers for a child. Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, was barren, and they were getting along in years. And so Zechariah was praying for this child. And the angel says, Your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. See, Zechariah, he's in the silence. But at this moment, he realizes that God has not been absent in the silence. That God has been listening this whole time and is now granting him his request. Luke, eight, uh, Luke 1, verse 18, Zechariah responds to the angel. asks a pretty reasonable question, I think. How shall I know this? This is a question we all ask. How shall I know this? And why is he asking this question? Right? There's an angel standing in front of him. Of, of, that's how you should know, Zechariah. There's an angel here. But, why, I mean, this is new, right? It's been 400 years since God has spoken. So how do I know? How do I know who you are? How do I know that you're from God? How do I know that this word I'm hearing is actually from God? And listen how he explains himself. He says, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And Carter talked about how perhaps Zechariah is asking this question because, you know, it's harder to have children as you get on in life. You get out of your childbearing years. And Zechariah's like, explain this to me because I don't know if it's going to work scientifically. I actually think it's a little bit deeper than that. Because what this angel is telling Zechariah is that you're going to have a child and I'm doing something new. And God is ending his silence. And this child's going to be important. And so Zechariah's like, well, how will I know this? Because if my wife gets pregnant, and we have this baby, the truth is we're well advanced in years. Like, I, I trust that you can make this baby thing happen, God. 
But we're well advanced in years. And so if this is going to be this special baby that you've been promising for centuries and centuries to break the silence, this voice crying in the wilderness, then I'm going to need some kind of assurance. Because I'm old. And I probably won't get to see it come to fruition. My wife as well. We'll probably die before any of this comes true. We'll have this baby and it'll grow up and we'll be dead by the time it fulfills this prophecy. So how can I know? The angel answered him. I am Gabriel. He assures him. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And usually we look at these next verses as a punishment for Zechariah. And it's quite possible that it's a punishment for Zechariah not trusting. But I also think that perhaps this is a gift. The angel says, behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you do, did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The angel's like, Zechariah, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Shut up. You're going to be silent. And listen, I'm an, I'm, I'm a, uh, a, I have a newborn in my house. Um, I think this would be a great gift. Nine months of silence, because I know what waits on the other end of those nine months. Not a whole lot of silence. <laughs> I can tell you, we didn't sleep very much last night, because it wasn't very silent. I actually think I know what I'm doing for baby showers now. I mean, there's like a box of diapers and nine months of silence. You're welcome, Dad. But when you really begin to think about it, this could actually be a gift. Because in the midst of Zechariah's doubts, he's, he's given this gift of silence. Some time to, to get alone with his thoughts and with his God and to really just kind of work things out. And we live in a noisy world. Don't we? I mean, like, always have to have something on TV, podcasts, YouTube, social media. I mean, things are constantly bombarding us. Ads for ways to use our time. You know, eat me, buy me, wear me, use me, call me, Alabama. <laughs> always asking for our attention. There's just not enough silence. So this gift that I think can change your 2020 and your life beyond, it's pretty simple. It's just the gift of silence. So I wanted, I wanted to practice a little bit this morning before we get started, all right? Here we go. We're going to have I'm going to time it, too. We're going to have 23 seconds of uninterrupted silence, all right? It's going to feel a little awkward. I'm just going to let you know. It's going to feel like an eternity, but I want you to do it with me. And, and as we do, I want you to just kind of, just like let everything else fall away.
That was 23 seconds of silence. Didn't that just kind of feel nice? But it was also maybe for some of you a little bit uncomfortable, right? You're getting a little squirmy, like, isn't this dude supposed to be talking to us? Silence. 23 seconds. Zechariah was given nine months. That's 23,670,000 seconds of silence. What a gift. Some time to just listen. This is what got Israel in this conundrum in the first place, right? They weren't willing to listen, and so when God starts doing something new, when he breaks the silence, he doesn't punish Zechariah with silence. He invites him into it. And so this morning, I want to invite you into the silence that Zechariah experienced. I think we have a lot to learn from the way that he was transformed by the silence he experienced. Continue our story, Luke 1, 59. It says, on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And listen, we're not told of a time that Zechariah tells Mary or, or tells Elizabeth, his wife, or another angel visits Elizabeth and says, hey, you're going to name your son John. No, we only get this story of an angel visiting Zechariah. So what we know is that Zechariah told his wife what had happened. He couldn't talk because he was silent. He couldn't hear. And so he wrote it down for her, I guess, and told her about all the things that were to come. I'm sure that Zechariah, during this moment, these moments of silence, was journaling about all that God had promised and was going to do. And maybe he shared those with his wife. All we know is that she knows, too. She's been given the memo. No, we're calling our son John. That's what the angel told my husband to do. And they looked at her kind of perplexed, and they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to the father. This is how we know that Zechariah also can't hear. They make signs to him, inquiring what he wanted the baby to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote on it, his name is John. And they all wondered. Now, why is this significant? Because there's a lot in a name in the first century Jerusalem. There's a lot in a name, right? It has to do with your heritage, your legacy, what you leave behind. And so oftentimes you would name, especially your firstborn child, your family name. You would name him, you know, Zach Jr., Zechariah. And so what, what Zechariah and Elizabeth are forfeiting here is their lineage. Their name will not be passed down. They're saying, you know what? An angel came and visited me and gave me the gift of silence. And during this silence, I've learned that I can't find my identity in the things that this world finds their identity in. I'm going to find my identity in the Word of God. And so they named their son John. See, silence can change where you find your identity. Oftentimes, in the middle of noise and and the hustle and bustle of life, we can lose sight of where our identity comes from. And this world would have us to think that we forge our identity for ourselves and that we have to protect it and guard it. But Scripture tells us that our identity is found in Christ. 
So oftentimes we need to get silence long enough to be reminded of where our identity is found. And you know, here's the thing. It says, and they all wondered, right? Listen, when you find your identity, when you begin to find your identity in Christ, the world will wonder. I mean, they'll be confused because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. You're forfeiting everything that this world would have to offer for the gifts of Jesus. And it's going to make the world wonder. They're going to scratch their head a little bit. You might get called names. You might get ridiculed. You might get outcast. But all that matters is that your identity is found in Jesus. And it's not what other people say about you that matters. It's what he says about you. So oftentimes we need to shut out the voices of the world and listen to the only voice that matters, reaffirming our identity in him. Silence can change where you find your identity. And the world will, will wonder, right? And sometimes they will wonder so much that they will join this invitation that you've joined. That they'll look at your life and they're like, something is different about that person. They don't seem wrapped up in all of the things that I'm wrapped up in. They don't seem stressed or depressed or anxious. Their life just seems a little less noisy. And they'll wonder, how do I get some of that? How can my life be changed so radically? And that's an opportunity for you to share about the identity that you found in Christ. So Zechariah names his son John, and, and he does what he was told to do. And listen to what happens in verse 64. It says, Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Silence can change what comes out of your mouth. Silence can change what comes out of your mouth. See, Zechariah's experience with silence, it transforms his doubt into praise. And when we, like Zechariah, are quiet long enough to hear God, we are more likely to trust that his word is for us. We are less likely to doubt the goodness of his gifts, and we are more likely to offer him praise for what he has given us. Silence can change what comes out of your mouth. I have uh, one of my life verses is Psalm nineteen fourteen, and I try to pray this every morning as I get my day started. It says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it's that, that 10 seconds of silence with God, I believe, transforms the way that I speak and the way that I think during my day. Just take some time to, to eliminate the noise. And before I say a word into the world, I just ask that God would make my words and my thoughts pleasing to him. Because I know that silence can change what comes out of my mouth. 
Henry Nouwen is one of my favorite authors. He has a book called The Way of the Heart. And what he did when writing this book is he went away for a long time with um, some monks that live in a desert, and he, he joined them in their silence. And this is what he comes out of it, one of the things he says when he comes out of it. He says, we must ask ourselves how many times others would benefit more from our silence than from our words. All right, so let's just rip this Band-Aid off, all right? 2020 is an election year. You have a voice on a social media platform. We must ask ourselves how many times others would benefit more from our silence than from our words. Because silence will change what comes out of your mouth. There's a lot of vitriol and hate that happens in an election year, especially in a country as divided as ours I think we need to heed the advice of Dr. Nowen. Listen, I, I've been through a lot of tragedy in my life over the last few years, and uh, I've never felt this quote more than in those moments of tragedy. You're going to encounter people in your life in 2020 who are going through Lord knows what. You probably won't even know because we do really good at hiding it in our world. Sometimes what they need is the gift of silence. And it's awkward because <laughs> you're like, I want to share an encouraging word. But sometimes we must ask ourselves how much more people will benefit from our silence than from our words, from a hug, from just our presence, from our silence, our intentional silence alongside them as we walk in life with them. I believe that silence can change what comes out of your mouth. Notice that Zechariah, the words that come out of him, the place that he finds his identity, it doesn't happen because of anything that Zechariah does, right? Verse 67 assures us of so. It says, his father, speaking of John, who is yet to be born, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He came out of his silence filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the same can happen for you. I believe that silence is a crucial discipline in inviting the Holy Spirit to radically change your life. And so if you'll just spend a few moments a day, I'm not asking you to give up your life like Henry Nouwen did and go and spend, you know, a year or two with monks in the desert. I think that's a little extreme. But maybe just like a few moments of your day, to be silent, to commune with God, and to allow that silence to invite the Holy Spirit into the space that you've created. I believe that silence can change who you rely on for your strength. Zechariah, it tells us earlier, is a man of righteousness and obedience. He doesn't lean on his righteousness and obedience. In the midst of his silence, his experience with silence, he recognizes that his strength can't come from himself. And he must rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. And if you need another example of someone who did this, look no further than Jesus himself, right? He says this in uh, John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus' life was a perfect example of this passage. He did nothing apart from the Father. He relied so heavily on the Father and the Holy Spirit for his strength, so much so that, you know what he did? From time to time, it is recorded that Jesus would get away and get silent long enough to hear the voice of God, to listen. You want to know some of the times that he did that? Before he ever started his ministry, he went away for a time of silence. Before he called the 12 most important friends that he would ever call to do his ministry alongside him, he went into silence. When John the Baptist, who we're learning about his father this morning, when John the Baptist is beheaded, one of Jesus' closest friends is killed, Jesus goes into silence. He comes out on the other side of that silence and he feeds 5,000 people before he walks on water. Silence. Before he calms the storm, he's asleep. Silent. Before he goes to the cross and performs his greatest miracle. Silent. If the Son of God needed silence to do the work that God was calling him to. Don't you think you do too? Don't you think we need a little silence in our life to be reminded that it's not in my strength that I'm doing any of this. I have to rely on the strength of God. Verse 68. Zechariah starts his prophecy. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Don't miss this. What tense is Zechariah talking in? Past tense. He has visited. He has redeemed. And nothing's happened yet. John hasn't been born. He hasn't announced that Jesus is the Messiah because silence can change your perspective. And Zechariah is like, before I doubted that any of this was even true, and now I'm praising God for things that haven't even happened yet. It can change your perspective. Getting alone and listening to the word of God and spending time in communion with him can change how you see things. It can turn your doubt into praise for things God hasn't even done yet. And you can start talking in the past tense about the way that God is going to bless you in the future. Imagine how radically your life would change if you started speaking blessings into existence by saying, I'm so confident in what God is doing in my life that I'm going to use the past tense to reference what he's going to do in my life in the future. That's a belief that comes only from silence. Silence can change your perspective. Silence can change your posture. It says that we, uh, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 
Contrast this with what happens when the angel visits Zechariah in verse 13. It says, And Zechariah was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But in 74 and 75, this redemption has happened so that we might serve without fear, because in the midst of his silence, Zechariah has learned that it has changed his posture. He no longer fears the presence of God. He now rejoices in it. And he allows it to change him so that he might be redeemed to serve in the direction of holiness and righteousness. 78 and 79, it says, Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Let's take that first part there first. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. See, when God spoke, to Zechariah, what he was announcing was that light was coming into the darkness. And as he broke that silence there, those who were sitting in darkness became those who stand in the light. See, silence can change your posture. Out of the silence, the word of God came to visit us. Out of darkness, the light of the world illuminated our darkness. When we recognize that silence is an invitation to hear God speak, then our position changes from sitting in the darkness to standing in the light of God, because silence can change our posture. And silence can also change your position. That second half of 78 and 79 says, And to those in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, God wants to use silence to move you from the shadow of death into the way of peace. To change your position. And the world might not change around you. Your circumstances might not change. But when you look up, you're going to realize you're no longer standing in the shadow of death. That because of the light of God illuminating your darkness, you are walking in the way of peace. And a peace that transcends all your understanding. Because silence doesn't only change your position, it can change your disposition. Silence can change your disposition. It can change your attitude. Complete this phrase for me. Peace and quiet. <laughs> felt like that was a little bit more rememberable of an idiom before I asked the question. Peace and quiet. Why do we associate these things with each other? Because we know deep in our hearts that silence brings Peace And all of us in our lives, we just want a little bit of peace and quiet. And we recognize that silence can actually change our disposition. So how would your life change in 2020 if you committed to being silent long enough to feel the transformational peace of God? That though your circumstances don't change, you're still at peace because you have the presence of God. A song that we sing throughout Christmas that we sing in this room with lit candles. It says it pretty well. 
Silent night. Holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Later on, it says, holy infant. So tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. On that silent night when God chose not to be so silent anymore. All was calm. All was bright because the light of God had illuminated the darkness. And this child, so tender, so mild, came to bring heavenly peace and quiet. So that our eyes might be attuned to listen to the word of God. To what God is doing in our lives. So these are my two verses for 2020. Psalm 62, 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. In Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Psalm 62, 5. From God alone, O my soul, wait in Be reminded that your hope only comes from him. And when you're tempted to break the silence and, and fight on your own behalf, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. So will you join me in 2020 for a little silence? Will you accept the invitation to a gift that I really do believe can radically change your year and your life beyond that? To just spend a few moments each day in silence. One of the things I promise you is that as you practice this, your, your body, your soul, your heart, your mind, your spirit are going to crave silence more and more and more. And it'll get less and less uncomfortable, I promise you. And I know that the silence that you experience in the presence of God has the power to transform your life. So let's pray. God, we thank you for this gift this morning. We thank you for silence. We thank you that in the midst of the silence, you remind us that we are yours, that our strength comes from you, we thank you that you refine us in the silence so that when we come out on the other side of it, our words, our lives, our action, our love, it looks more like your son. And God, we need you to do that every day in our life. And so we commit to silence. We devote ourselves to silence every day so that you can do what you do over and over and over and over again in our lives. Pray all this in your name. Amen. Before we sing this song.